A good king wept bitterly. A famous prophet told him to put his house in order because he was going to die. Karen, do you remember the story from Scripture? Oh, dear, you would throw that me. <laughs> Not right off the top of my head. <laughs> I'll read it for you, okay? Welcome to the Before We Go podcast featuring Dr. David Maines and his wife, noted author Karen Maines. Here's David and Karen Maines. This is 2 Kings chapter 20, and it reads as follows. In those days, Hezekiah, that's the famous king, Mm -hmm. became ill and was at the point of death. The prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, went to him and said, This is what the Lord says. Put your house in order because you're going to die. You will not recover. Mm. Now, that's a strong word, and Isaiah, of course, is a huge name in the prophet's. Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord, Remember, O Lord, how I've walked before you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion and have done what is good in your eyes. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Before Isaiah had left the middle court, the word of the Lord came to him, Go back and tell Hezekiah, the leader of my people, this is what the Lord, the God of your father David, says. I have heard your prayer and seen your tears. I will heal you. On the third day from now, you will go up to the temple of the Lord, and I will add 15 years to your life, and I will deliver you in this city from the hand of the king of Assyria. I will defend this city for my sake and for the sake of my servant, David. Well, that's a wow, that's a turnaround. Huge turnaround. Huge turnaround. Solves his military problems and gives him 15 more years. In fact, Hezekiah then said, which a lot of times we do, let me make sure this is what you're saying. He's repeating it back to the, yeah, and to the prophet. That's when he asked for the shadow on the dial to be turned back. As an indicator? Yeah, as an indicator. And it went back, instead of going forward, it went back 10 steps. Mm -hmm. It's an amazing story. Mm -hmm. And probably it wasn't the best thing in the world to have happened because after that, in those final years of Hezekiah's life, he made some really stupid mistakes. Mm -hmm. But I think that knowing that I'm going to live 15 years, you sort of think you can get away with some stuff. Yeah. The other thing is the aging process is the aging process, and sometimes we're not as wise or as careful. Or, and the Lord's plan often is the best plan for our legacy. <laughs> well, Hezekiah had visitors from Babylon okay. come, and he showed him all of his treasures. Now, was it Babylon an enemy country to them at that time? Uh, it was or? a long, far distant away country, and uh-huh. Hezekiah apparently thought, those guys are a long way away, don't have to worry about them. they bother me. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And Isaiah says, you did a dumb thing. All those things that you showed, they're all going to belong to the Babylonians in in the day to come. Anyway, this coming year, most of the days ahead of us, the Lord willing, in August, I'm going to turn 86. I don't know what my future is, but I believe I'm already living on borrowed time. In other words, I have passed the average number of years someone like myself should expect. And my high school and college friends, they're dying rapid. Oh, they're yeah. yeah. mm-hmm. And the alumni magazines come, you know, oh, man, that's another one who's mm-hmm. gone. So for me anyway, every new year, such as the one we've just entered into, is a gift from the Lord. And God's special gift of additional years, even though we don't know how many they will be, should be used wisely. So I'm in a position where I've been thinking a great deal in these days. What is the American church needing to hear from the Lord? Uh It's kind of a prophetic Well, this is a question that you've asked of yourself to consider most of your ministry in life. I think that the Lord put a burden for the local church on your heart when you were a young, young man. And you were dissatisfied with 
its structure and the way it, it was not adapting to reach the contemporary culture that was rising up at that time. And so I remember a lot of those disaffected conversations you had with friends and fellow pastors. And, and we moved into the inner city because churches were abandoning those neighborhoods. The neighborhoods would change racially, and then the white churches that had been planted there would. Well, it was the white flight. It was the white flight, yeah. Mm-hmm. So we moved back into it, but we did that because of the conversation that you were having with God, I believe, at that time, is what do we need to do to enliven the local church? And there were a lot of things out of and you these were conversations that you had with fellow ministers and people who were faithful in their church attendance, but were, were dissatisfied. And out of that conversation, then there came a whole process of renewal. And then you began to teach other pastors. We had an organization called Step Two, where we were stepping alongside other pastors and were helping to train them in some of these newer methodologies of preaching, preaching for response, worship worship Mm -hmm. that was designed out of the brainstorming of the lay people of the church. I mean, it was just a totally different model. Then I was able to, because my uncle, Uh he was just worn out. He had had founded the the chapel of the air and he was tired. he, He was tired, yeah. I would say that I found where I belonged. There's a difference between a minister and a church. You have a pastoral role you play, and, uh-huh. I, and I played that, and I knew that distinction. But then there's a more of a prophetic role when you're talking to the church at large. To a nation. Yeah, and, to, and yeah. my uncle had built that ministry, and he, he was on 500-some stations uh-huh. around the country, and I kind of inherited that. Now I was saying, where is the American church? And that's a different question to answer than where is this specific church. My local church, mm-hmm. the one I'm pastoring. Yeah. No, very different. So anyway, I was in that position where I was saying, what is God wanting to say Uh to the churches of America? And and as you said already in this Mm -hmm. podcast, you had been given a national ministry. It aired Mm -hmm. on 500 stations daily. Mm -hmm. Six days a week. Six Mm -hmm. days a week. And Mm -hmm. our estimated listenership at that time was about 2 million people a day. So that's no small platform. And you were trying to be responsible then before the Lord to this place where he had positioned you that you hadn't worked to get it. It just came your way. I was still thinking that way all the time. Uh-huh. This podcast doesn't reach anywhere near that number of people, but I'm saying, what does the Lord want to say to the American church? Have you come up with an answer? I've been trying to, as the year came to a close and now we've entered this new year, what what is the situation with the American church? Uh-huh. When you talk about revival, you can say, well, the American church is backslidden. I'm not sure it is. I don't know that it's gone that far. Uh-huh. And I also think that that's an antiquated term. And it's a term that sets people's teeth on edge. Uh-huh. If I say the best that I can do at the moment is to say, I think that the American church is, and here's the word I'm working with, superficial. What do you mean by that? Well, superficial means surface. Uh I don't mean depth in terms of profundity. Uh I just mean that the church doesn't have the high priority that it needs to have if the church is no new life coming to it. So we're saying that it's among one of the many to-do things that's on the average Christian's list. Yeah. And it may not be high on the on that to do list it's either. It's still shallow. Uh huh. Sh- and it can to, be shallow. Not, yeah. Mm-hmm. We're not saying that everybody is that way, but no, I'm talking, or every church is that way. But I, as yes. an aggregate, 
You don't see an American church that is actually challenging culture or changing culture for the or better. Or even speaking to the culture. Or even speaking to in, the culture, that's right. Ways, mm-hmm. yeah. I would say that superficial is the best that I've come up with mm-hmm. so far. And I'm not only interested in coming up with where the church is so that people understand, but I'm wanting to say, what about myself? Being part of a society where the church is superficial, has that begun to mark me? And I want to make sure during this year, if the Lord is gracious, given another year, I don't know how many he'll allow me to have, am I going counter to that? Is what I'm saying of value? Is Uh it something people should be listening to? Almost is it prophetic, if I go back to that word? I've been examining myself. Okay. You're putting yourself under the spotlight of the Holy Spirit to help you see things that you often don't see yourself. And we get these annoying little nudges in the middle of the night or whenever saying, what about this area? Well, yeah, we know that we are not the the great saints of the Lord. Probably they knew that even in the biblical times. You know, yeah, there's the humility amongst them all. That was otherwise God blesses them in such a way they get ego. Yeah, <laughs> it's just the, the natural human problem. But I've been wrestling with the Lord. I'm saying, God, for life to be complete, we need to follow hard after You. We need to make You the essential part of our lives. And mm. am I good at doing that? Are you the priority in my life? Are your desires the priority? Are they like number six on the list or number 20 on the list? Or are there priorities when I can get to them after I've worked on everything else I have to do? That's always a battle. It's always a battle, isn't it? So for this year, where I am, I want to get to know God better. Mm -hmm. And I have set up a pattern for myself. I get to bed early and Mm -hmm. I get up quite early because that's a quiet time. Mm -hmm. and, And I like that. And I want to do that even more in the days ahead. But one of the things I want to do is I want to start, in my own mind, putting on paper what I know God to be. So that over a period of the 365 days, I have 365 specific things that I know in terms of God, and I'm going to learn to live in the reality of that. These are like attributes or characteristics of the divine, and you're not wanting to repeat yourself when you get midway through the next year. For example, I think that, and this depends sometimes on what I'm reading in Scripture, I'm past the point where the people have said to Samuel, we want a king. Mm -hmm. We don't like the idea of a prophet or a judge. Uh-huh. Well, he was all that. He was prophet, judge. He wasn't king. But Jesus is king. I am honored to be your servant, you know, and uh-huh. I think of you as the most incredible king that ever has lived uh-huh. on the face of the earth. For the next day, as my king, you are totally trustworthy. So I write trustworthy, and I'm doing them alphabetically. So I Oh, you are. I You're going alphabetically. <laughs> yeah, How can you do I'm that? I'm not going to go A, B, C, D. I will put it in its proper place each time so okay. that I will not duplicate. And probably when I get into August, September, I'm going to say, man, I don't know. I'm running out of thoughts here. But I'm going to explore this thing of who I know God to be and praise him in a very special way. God is omniscient. That's Uh the one I put down early this morning. That related to the scriptures I was reading. He's all-knowing. He Uh knows the past. He knows the present. He knows the future. I don't know anybody in the world who's that way. He is unlike myself. He is far beyond who I am. I have one little idea that just popped up. Sometime in your list making of the attributes of God when you can't think of one, then just say, Lord, you tell me who you are. And then often there are things that are revealed that either a more creative way of saying an old characteristic that we all know and have heard for Mm -hmm. all of our Christian lives. Just another way of looking at it, another slant. So I find him to be very creative in that category. He will do that. Mm -hmm. So, But I'm looking forward to this. Mm -hmm. It is becoming meaningful to me even as I've gone through just a few days of a given week. 
I choose to begin each day with personal worship. Worship means to attribute worth to God, and that will be an essential part of my day and my year. And then I also, and this is the harder part for me, I also want to mark each Sunday with a deep-seated conviction that God himself is truly present in his church, mm-hmm. and I will do my best to fully participate in the corporate worship that has been planned, even though to me it may seem very superficial. It may not be the kind of music I like. It may be that these are things I learned a long time ago that are being taught, but I'm going to get out of the critic mode, which is just a part of who I am. Mm-hmm. I analyze everything. And I'm just, I'm going to go to church and I'm going to make sure that I'm involved in what's gone on and what's been planned. I'm going to be a worshiper with that church at whatever level it is and whatever level I am. And that will be different because on the way home, instead of me saying, yeah, was a little hurrah, rah, rah, rah. <laughs> yeah, it's a, little, a little like a pep rally. <laughs> pep rally. What's the difference between the pep rally and, you know, when God moves in and there's this extraordinary sense of his presence and tears are running down people's cheek and then maybe you go into silence and you can actually hear the yeah, silence, you know. Yeah, you can. It, 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 many times in revival, you, you know that something's happened because it's very, very quiet so it's and not God that is present. We don't hold that in high value. It's that we... That you were saying, I need to change my attitude and at whatever church service I am, be in it and worshiping to the best of my ability, even though it's not a framework that is satisfying to yeah, me. Yeah, I'm not going to say, I don't know any of those songs. I'm going to say, I'm going to try to learn from those songs and enter into them. And then that's going to be difficult for me. I will do my very best. I'm going to make this a good year as far as church is concerned and as far as my worship is concerned. 2022 will be a year when I challenge the superficiality of the American church and especially how that superficiality has marked me, but I will not be the guy who thinks he knows it all. Okay, Okay. is that your sentence? I don't think it was my (laughs) sentence, but I do have a sentence. But anyway, I want to not be like Hezekiah. If the Lord gives me extra time, I don't want to use it foolishly. I want to use it wisely. And I mean, this may sound like kind of dorky as I talk about it, but this is where I am. And I believe that God will use that in a special way in my life, okay? God's special gift of additional years to live should be used wisely. That's my sentence. Okay, Okay. say that one again. God's special gift of additional years to live should be used wisely. Okay, that's great. Okay, now I said to you that I would like for you to have opportunity for you to say, where are you in terms of this being a year when the Lord has let you finish off one year and starting to give you another year? Okay, well, I'll talk about that next podcast, okay? That's my turn then, okay? Okay, yeah. I think we talk about equally, but this time I think I dominated. Well, it's your journey that you're talking about right now, so that's not a problem at all. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of people who listen to our podcast are in the 50 above years, and so many of us are thinking about these things. If I have, if I'm given another year of life to live, how do I want to live it for the Lord? So it encourages those thoughts. To bring this to a close, I think we're living in perilous times. Okay, I agree. I think that the country actually is on the brink. Yeah. And if the country were to fall, like Israel fell, uh-huh. I would say the country is backslidden. It has no love of God. It's uh-huh. become secular in, uh-huh. in every way. If democracy would fail, uh-huh. and it could, uh-huh. these are incredibly perilous times. I don't want to live this year just like I lived last year. Uh-huh. I want to live this year with a purpose. And, and intention uh, and and a great desire to be as close to God as I can so that I don't, when I speak, whether it's to a group or conversationally, Uh I don't misrepresent him. 
I want to be just a very faithful servant who's walking close. And when I say that, I don't think that is an equal thing because a lot of times what God wants you to say is not what you want to say. You know, it doesn't make you popular. But anyway, this is a good year, and I think that we have to look at it soberly, but at the same time, we have to look at it not only in regard to others, but what about me Uh in this whole time? Am I being who you want me to be? Lord, help us. Help us all. You've been listening to the Before We Go podcast. And if you would like to write to us, please send us an email at the following address, hosts at beforewego.show. That's all lowercase letters, hosts at beforewego.show. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please remember to rate, review, and share on whatever platform you listen. This podcast is copyright 2022 by Mainstay Ministries, Post Office Box 30, Wheaton, Illinois, 60187.